Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Right now, we do welcome you to the show. We got a big show for you this afternoon. We had a great time yesterday. I I thought uh, yesterday was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of ground yesterday. If you missed anything on the show, you can go back and get it, and I, I actually think it would be worth your while as a uh, podcast. You can go to wherever you get podcasts, whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify or uh, Stitcher or wherever. You can always get the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, Thunder and Lightning, which today included a conversation with Jake Mangum, and uh, some other things there with uh, Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman, the Rebel Report podcast with Michael Borky and Brian Scott Rippey, where they uh, had their mailbag Friday and also got into a topic that we're going to spend some time on a little bit later this afternoon with you. You can text the show, Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Don't forget, you can avoid the waiting room with Ceasefire Health. Download the telehealth app. It is never been uh, a more useful tool than right now and get treated by UMMC clinicians from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone. Learn more online at cspirehealth.com. Borky, what's up? Oh, not a whole lot on this Friday. Just uh, trying to continue to socially isolate. I've got a a big plan for the smoker tomorrow, so uh, the weekend should be okay in spite of that. Okay, that, that's not good enough. What is the big plan? So I'm going to do – I've had and heard of Mississippi pot roast before. I'm sure I'm sure you've done it, heard of it, had it. Um, I'm going to do that on the smoker, though. I'm going to take a, a chuck roast, and I got this recipe from Malcolm Reed on his website, and um, smoke it for two hours with just salt and pepper, take it off the smoker – Put it in a, a Dutch oven with butter and the uh, the ranch and the, um, oh gosh, what's the other? Is it like a gravy powder? And then okay. uh, banana peppers. And then you put it back on the smoker for two more hours, shred it, slap it on a hoagie with some provolone cheese and eat a sandwich. I like it. Is there a difference in a Dutch oven and a crock pot? Well, yeah, the, the Dutch oven, you, you can air. put... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well played. Um, well played, You Rippy. put the Dutch oven, you can put it in a smoker. Uh, the crock pot's more just like a slow cooker. The Dutch oven is like the... It's like a big metal pot. Okay. Very, uh, very well. Yeah, I mean, all the pot roast I've ever had is, you know, grandmother style in the crock pot. You know, slow cook. That was, that was a big Sunday dinner thing. And I, I like pot roast i was never as big a fan though of the like the whole potatoes and the carrots that were cooked in with it now we're talking you're is that right. crazy no that is correct that is I don't, okay. I don't want i don't need i don't, I don't want my, my vegetables to taste like meat like that I, I mean like a little meat taste but completely saturated in gravy no not not for me i'd rather just have mashed potatoes yes yes mashed potatoes with um a roast like that, that's I am the, that's all the way to go. on board. But, but more time, I didn't mind the carrots as much. It was the potatoes; they just were always dry. Yeah, yeah like even just... though they were like like there was you know 
gravy or whatever you whatever the sauce was, the liquid was in there. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of made a mess on your plate with all the liquid running around. But once you cut them open, it's like you had to have ketchup for your potatoes on your uh, on your Sunday dinner plate. Potatoes either need to be nice and smooth when they're mashed, or nice and crispy like French fries or hash browns or roasted potatoes. I don't I don't want to in between. Yeah. I'm not like a big new potatoes guy, like the little red potatoes that yeah, people yeah, yeah. want to throw on your plate sometimes. Eh, not really my thing. No, no. Yeah, I like that we're on the same page on something, Hey, Dad. It doesn't feel like that's uh, always the case. There's hope for everybody if you and I can, can, can link up like this. Let's see here. Bubba in Meridian says, tell him it is au jus sauce. Well, yeah, that's I mean, right. That's right. That's exactly what that recipe calls for. There you go. I watched that video just like go. the other day too. So man, I'm, I'm, if only I wasn't social distancing, Borky, I'd just come down and get some some sandwiches with you. Oh, I'll send you pictures. Don't worry. Now, oh, that, that's the thing about his videos. That helps. Man. That's what I want <laughs> is to look at the pictures of the delicious food. Yes, then I can take a bite out of my phone, and it will be exactly yeah. the same. Thank you, Borky. I'll bottle up the smell for you too. <laughs> Dutch oven round two. <laughs> oh. <laughs> William uh, Belmont getting... says he boils potatoes and carrots separately and adds them just before the roast is done. Okay. Uh, somebody suggests that you should try pearled cauliflower in place of the mashed potatoes. It's awesome. Mm. I like mashed cauliflower. It's good. I'm not a better I'm for you. Not too. a big cauliflower guy. Yeah, I know it is. I know it is. I got steaks for uh, the weekend. This... Do you? Yeah, I went you and saw Greg, Greg before, uh, before I came here at LB's. I like it. Did you get the um, the, the bacon wrap fillets, or did you go with a, a bigger route than that? No, bacon wrap, the lane train special, and then uh, Greg kicked in a, a thing of meatloaf. What a guy. There you go. I have uh, I've hit LB's up, I think, the last three Sundays and have gotten the fillets each time. They were out of the... Uh, the bacon fillet burgers, which are fantastic, they're pre-packaged, like kind of sealed up, straight onto the grill. Don't have to really do anything else to them, and they are as good as you will find. So, I've uh, I got to go see the guys at uh, LB's before we get too deep into the weekend as uh, as well. A lot of comments on Borky's uh, cooking plans. Uh, let's see here, Borky, you will not like it. I will take care of it when you are done. <laughs> Mike in Grand Bay says carrots suck fact uh we get you oh i disagree but raw carrots are the way to go no still not no, good no. no not raw raw carrots are just like an edible spoon to get ranch into your mouth that's all that's that's all they're good for <laughs> that's quite the description there i mean that's uh, all there's what a, else guys, am i eating them for yeah good vision hey, I was are you gonna do anything on the grill this weekend not planning on it but you know things can change at, at any at any time now and try to live one minute, what are you, you know, do to moment pass to the moment. time. Otherwise, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. Everything's—it's just running together, man. I—I I forget that it's Saturday tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So, Rippy, our steaks tonight. I don't know. You know, it's tomorrow? raining or whatever. But honestly, at this point, I've, the last two times I've gotten steaks, instead of grilling them, I've thrown them in the air fryer, as I think I've mentioned before. But uh, it's shocking how good they are. Hmm. The air fryer for steaks? 
Yeah, you. I, I thought the same thing, but I promise you, the like particularly if you're on a charcoal grill and you're trying to get the consistent like temperature, it's so much better and it's so much easier. You put it, you literally press it like they have a steak button, and it's 20 minutes, and then after 10 minutes, you flip it on its side once, and it's uh. I went in with low expectations because I didn't buy into it either, but it was it was phenomenal. Like it was way better than I thought, and probably better than anything I've cooked myself on a grill. Mm. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying I won't try it at some point, but that is not the route that I thought you were going to say. Now, I, no, I, have, I was skeptical I'm as well, I'm but almost, now I'm hooked. Yeah. I've almost switched completely away from the grill on steaks. I, I've gone to skillet and oven uh, almost exclusively way. on the steaks. Uh, just love it. If I get a little adventurous and got some more time this weekend, then I may go skillet to grill but leave the steaks in the skillet and just put the entire skillet on the grill. If I can uh, get the egg hot enough, you know, get it up to about 600 or so. Hey, TJ Reeves from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's on their radio team, joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Going into the week, we wondered if perhaps this would be a week without news. That has turned out to be anything but with NFL free agency dominating the headlines. TJ Reeves joins us right now. He is the radio sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can follow him on Twitter at BuckSidelineGuy. He also uh, hosts and does play-by-play on TuneIn and uh, has a podcast as well based in Tampa. TJ, it has been a long time, but it sure is good to visit with you again. Hey, it is great to be with you, my sideline brother from another mother. How are we holding up in Mississippi? Because I know you got little ones, and we're all doing social distancing and isolation and the whole thing, and you're absolutely right. It's good that we have some NFL news to help occupy us a little bit. Yeah, we're we're rocking along okay. If you can uh, if you can keep the folks off Clearwater Beach, you guys will be fine as well, I think. I think. <laughs> well, the the good news for those that have been screaming for it to stop is the beaches are closed as of tonight is the best that we're understanding there. So spring break instead of lasting for the usual 3 weeks or so in March, it was only 1 week this go around and let's bring some common sense to the table. I agree. There you go. All right, so let's dive in. When did you believe this Tom Brady thing was real? We've been talking about it all week. The uh, the ink is finally dried on the contract. You are legally, according to the NFL, able to talk about it. So kind of take us back. Take us back earlier into the week and tell us when you believed this was actually going to happen. All right, so we have to pull the veil back on the crack staff with Super Talk Mississippi here and Richard Cross because you guys were trying to get a hold of me earlier in the week. And... I understand uh, what the NFL was doing and saying in that this is a bizarre situation because they went ahead and started free agency even though we have the coronavirus outbreak and and everything going on with it uh, and associated with it. So team facilities aren't open. Team doctors can't examine potential free agents. And so this was really – some bizarre stuff throughout the week where you maybe have agreed with a player, but it's not finalized yet because it's pending a physical and that kind of stuff. So you guys were trying to get me on uh, a couple, three days ago, and we we kept having to wait for, okay, is it official? Well, once, once Tom Brady put it on Instagram that he was signing a contract, that made it official. And I think that's when reality really sunk in that this, this could happen. Um, I can tell you, and this is easy to say now, 
that Bruce Arians believed a couple of weeks ago that if Tom Brady was in fact going to be available, that he could have a real legitimate, I mean, 75, 80%, 90% shot of talking him into Tampa Bay with the weapons, with the, with the fact that this place is starved for a winner, could pay him what he, what he was worth and what he wanted to make, that all those factors were in the, in the Bucks' favor. But you just, you didn't know, does he really want to leave New England? And anybody that tries to act like they knew that he wanted to leave New England, uh, I don't know that Tom Brady really, really knew that he wanted to, new, uh, to leave New England until recently. So once he became a free agent, well, then the race was on. Not unlike the Peyton Manning situation, which was a little different back a few years ago because he had been hurt, Richard, as you remember. He had an injured neck. He couldn't play. But the sweepstakes sure. were still the, the same high stakes, and Manning was even a little younger of trying to land him. There were several teams going for it, and John Elway and the Broncos got him. So... I guess I'm being a little long-winded here, but I, I really this became a reality by Monday night, Tuesday, that they were going all out to get him and believe they could lure him with the weapons they had, and, and Bruce Arians turns out to be the hero here as the quarterback guru head coach that was able to help reel in Tom Brady. T.J. Reeves on your radio. He's the radio sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, uh, boy, the appetite for Tampa Bay football is way more than it was just a couple of weeks ago <laughs> uh, or even a couple of days ago. TJ, I got one for you. The term- I got one for okay, you. put it Are on me. Are you ready? Are you ready? The Buccaneers what are due to play the Raiders in Las Vegas, their first year in Las Vegas. How does this sound? Buccaneers at Raiders, Monday night football, maybe even week one of Monday night football with Brady against Gruden, the former coach who won the Super Bowl for the Bucks and is now the coach of the Raiders again. How juicy is that, Richard, to contemplate on a Friday afternoon? All right, so I like that. Now, now tell me this. Last year, combined Sunday night and Monday night appearances for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Zero. They played one Thursday night game, none on Sunday or Monday. And in a typical year, to your point, it's usually been a couple of games, maybe a Thursday game, maybe a Sunday game. We had a year, I want to say 2017, where we had a Thursday game and a Monday night game and a Sunday game. But it's, it's rare, and the Sunday game was a flexed game with the Cowboys uh, later in that season. So uh, there's no question that the, the networks want the stars. They want the largest markets. They want the Patriots and Brady. They want the Dallas Cowboys, uh, especially for NBC and, and Sunday night when they're flexing a game. It's going to be the Cowboys more than likely, or it was going to be New England. Um, and especially for Monday Night Football, they want the bigger markets. Philadelphia, Chicago, those, and now that Los Angeles has two teams there. So you're right. And as then you start looking at, well, the Bucks play the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Uh, that's probably going to be a Sunday night or Monday night game. Are you telling me that the Bucks and the Saints with Drew Brees back isn't going to be probably a Thursday night Absolutely. game or maybe one of these Monday night or Sunday night games? Probably. So I, I would look for the Buccaneers to have at least three and maybe more. I believe the maximum is Seven times. I think seven is the most you can be on, and it may be six. Don't quote me on that. It's either six or seven times that you can be on a primetime game, and I don't believe that you can be on more than three times on Monday Night Football, and you're only going to be once on Thursday. 
I, I believe, just because they try to rotate every team. But the Sunday night situation is where you could see some games later in the year if the Bucks are good, that suddenly one of their earlier scheduled games becomes that NBC game, Richard. And, and that may have a lot to do with Brady's star power and if you're winning games. Yeah. All right, two things I want to get to you in the next four minutes, uh, get to with you in the next four minutes. We've been led to believe that part of the reason that Tom Brady was ready to leave New England was because he wanted to be paid. He wanted to be paid at the rate he deserved to be paid, and yet he signs a two-year, $50 million contract, $25 million a year, fully guaranteed. There's some incentive language in there. That feels like it's less than everybody was leading us to believe that Tom Brady wanted. Do you agree with that? I, th- I think there are some questions because the franchise tag that everybody's been rumoring about Jameis Winston's a $27 million franchise tag. So, again, what's a few million among friends? And he's made a boatload of money. Uh, he's got incentives that would make the deal a $30 million deal. But, yeah, it's a valid question. I, I cannot believe, I cannot fathom that money was the sole insulting reason why he didn't want to be in New England anymore. I think it's more about their lack of weapons, their salary cap strapped, and maybe at some point you're, you're looking for a fresh start to move on and prove you can do it somewhere else, and maybe the Patriots were looking for the same thing, and that's what led to this. I think that's more than the money part of it. All right, I lied to you. Not two things, three things. Here's the second. Is Tom Brady going to wear 12 in Tampa Bay? Great question, because Chris Godwin, the receiver, has 12. Yeah. Godwin, by the way, has told the media, and the video is on Buccaneers.com and the Buccaneers website, that Brady did contact him, but they never talked about the number yet. Chris is also engaged uh, to be married this summer. I wonder if something could be worked out with Brady paying for the wedding. This is TJ saying this, to get number 12. Or does he maybe wear number 10 that he wore at Michigan, and suddenly there's a run on number 10 Buccaneer jerseys. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, Final thing, and and to me this is fascinating, Bruce Arians, the relationship that he will have with Tom Brady – what the offense will like uh, will look like, and how the relationship that they will have uh, they have will compare to the relationship that he has had for the last two decades with Bill Belichick. Well, and that's another good point that Arians has been with Ben Roethlisberger as an offensive coordinator, been with Peyton Manning as an offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach, and worked with Andrew Luck when he came into the NFL and remember was coach of the year in Indianapolis when Chuck Pagano got sick. Bruce Arians led him to a 10-win season and the playoffs. He, he was with the veteran Carson Palmer. He was with Jameis Winston last year. I mean, he's a quarterback guru. And so I think it's, uh, it's really fascinating here how this is all unfolded because you can play the what-if game all night long. Do, does Tom Brady come here if Bruce Arians is not the head coach? We, we don't know. Does Tom Brady come here if he doesn't have weapons like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and the two pass-catching tight ends, including O.J. Howard? We don't know. What we do know is he is here, and those two things were huge. Uh, and and this, is, this is the truth. Uh, when he's looking at other rosters and other places he could have gone, like the L.A. Chargers or staying in New England, the Buccaneers have better weapons. The Buccaneers have better pass-catching weapons than what those two situations do, and that had to appeal to him. Great stuff, TJ. Uh, this is uh, It's going to be a fun time, I know, for, uh, for Tampa Bay going forward. Um, just as a, a parting thought, we know Tom Brady's not going to throw 30 interceptions. Will he throw 30 touchdown passes this year? That, that's an interesting proposition, I bet the the Buccaneers did point out. I believe it's his last three seasons. He has eighty five touchdowns and twenty interceptions, or twenty six interceptions, or something like that. So that's a that's a ratio that you're looking for. That's a winning formula. 
Let's see what happens. It's great to hear your voice. Anytime you need me, you know where to find me, my friend. It's it's good to visit with you again, TJ. Thanks for working us in this afternoon, and uh, be safe, you and your family. You too, Richard. Be well, everybody in Mississippi. See ya. Absolutely. That's TJ Reeves. He is at Buck Sideline Guy on Twitter. He is the uh, radio sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network. Joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. You never drank alone down there. Good God, I feel at home down there. Oh, Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Good conversation with T.J. Reed from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network. Tom Brady officially a Buccaneer. Sources tell ESPN the contract is two years and $50 million. Fully guaranteed that includes another $9 million in incentives, $4.5 million for each of the two years. It also prohibits uh, trades, so he cannot be traded by, uh, by Tampa Bay. What do those numbers mean to you? It's the same contract, basically, that Drew Brees signed in terms of you know money for this particular year. Uh, it's it's obviously less than the top quarterbacks in the league are making. What does that say to you? It means one of two things. It means New England very clearly did not want him, or the opposite, that he just had no desire to stay in New England whatsoever. Because as you mentioned, I mean, he could have, well, you think he could have gotten more somewhere. Maybe he just didn't command that much, and that would make sense. He's 43 years old. I get it. But it means one of those two things. Quite simply, New England didn't even try to keep him because they absolutely could have at 25 mil a year. Or quite simply, his mind was made up. He wanted to go somewhere else. He felt like it was a better opportunity of winning in Tampa, and 25 million a year did it. It's been both, though, because it's like not about the money right now, but it has been to where he's like tired of taking one, a kind of a home down discount. And two, I think at one point after you win six Super Bowls, you probably want to be treated a little bit differently than your average player that Belichick doesn't pay for past performance. Because if you read his super weird Instagram post today where he keeps talking about no one cares what you did last year, pretty sure that's a dig at Belichick always moving off dudes a year early before you're late. So I think they probably both wanted a fresh start because this happened, exact same thing happened two years ago and the owner stepped in and Kraft this entire time I think saw that Brady probably actually wanted to go somewhere else and didn't bother to step in is what happened here. Hmm. I don't think there's any way around that. I mean... Brady didn't want to. I say that though. I don't think he wanted to leave. Like, if given the perfect world, the choice, why would you? Yeah, but yeah. Given if if Belichick could have smooth, they could have smoothed things over, come to a reasonable contract, made a, a commitment to him that hey, we're gonna we're gonna put some some weapons around you, and he probably stays, no question about it. But he didn't get those commitments, so now he's gone. Yeah. This Tampa Bay offense might be really good. Uh, they have a real shot at winning. I mean, they should have been a winning team last year. That's it. 
I, I saw a few national guys today talk about, well, it, it still doesn't change the fact that Tampa is Tampa. And I keep wondering, if your only job is to cover the NFL, how can you have that position? How can you yeah. think that? He is going to a roster that you can win with. Maybe not a Super Bowl. I, I'm not going to go out on that limb. But if you told me that they won 10, 11 games and made the playoffs, I would not be at all shocked. In fact, I kind of expect a double-digit win season. Who they, has the worst they, offense in the NFC South? Because you have the Saints, you have the Bucks, and then I saw a stat today that the Atlanta Falcons, 10 of their 11 slated offensive starters entered the NFL as first-round picks, and then you have Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey. Who has the worst offense in that division? That stat and, is Atlanta also in just, your show notes, first page. Atlanta also just added Todd Gurley. So, I mean, if he's healthy, that's a, that's a big-time weapon. You look at Tampa Bay last year, they scored the same amount of points as the Saints. The problem was they had a quarterback who threw 30 interceptions. So, I mean, that's 30 extra possessions. If you don't only give up a touchdown on every three, you know, that's another 90 points. That's, that's the difference between winning and losing a lot of games. So if they've got a quarterback, I hate, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but if Tom Brady can just be a game manager, they can be a playoff team. Worst offense in the NFC South, probably the Panthers, but look at the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, they have Christian McCaffrey. They have some weapons. Bridgewater can win games. Bridgewater elevates them a little bit. Yeah, they're they're good. The NFC South is going to be really, really tough this year. There's no question about that. Best division in football, question mark. I still go NFC West, but it's close. Yeah. Especially now with the Cardinals adding DeAndre Hopkins to that offense. I mean, they 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 have weapons. That's that seems to be like the the overriding point we're trying to make with a lot. The people just keep seem to be adding. The, the good teams keep keep seem to be adding weapons at, at every turn. Nobody you, is standing pat and just saying, "Okay, we're good." Speaking of that Todd Gurley move, um, what do you think of that? <sighs> if if it's if it's if he's healthy, I mean that's like finding a hundred dollar bill on the ground. I don't think I mean, he is. That's, well, that's the thing. But but if he's not, he's not. You, you didn't give up anything to get him. So if he, if he's healthy, great. If he's not, you just you just don't worry about it. But if you can get anything out of him, that's huge. That on top of Melvin Gordon signing for eight million dollars over two years in Denver, you can't really ever get upset with a running back holding out, even whether it works or not. Can you? No, the, you've just got to get your money somehow. The way the market is set up for them, they can't really win. Because if you look back on what the the contract that Melvin Gordon didn't want and ended up holding out for into the season last year was actually probably going to be worth more guaranteed money in the end than he eventually got. So he held out, and it didn't exactly work. Zeke held out, and it worked. It's like the Cowboys and the Rams inflated the running back market by giving two terrible contracts, and so everyone else came to expect that that was the end result for what they were going to get, and it just hasn't been the case. Today's Rough poll question, back. on this note, I'm about to put it up on the STM Twitter. Uh, who's the biggest challengers for the NFC South uh, in 2020? The Saints have won it, it seemingly every year for the last decade or so. Uh, they've been the perpetual favorite. So aside from them, of these three, with the addition of Todd Gurley and um, Hayden Hurst at tight end, a really good tight end for the Falcons. That offense should be good. The Panthers are retooling, but they get an experienced quarterback with Bridgewater and have Christian McCaffrey, and uh, we'll see if Joe Brady uh, can 
run the offense in the NFL on his own, and then you have Tom Brady in Tampa. Which of those three are the biggest challengers for New Orleans this season, just this season, uh, in the NFC South? I think it's Tampa. Just because I, I, I buy into Brady. I think he automatically makes the team a winner. Again, if we're going to take I – mean, what was Tampa Bay last year if Jameis Winston throws 12 interceptions? Is there any doubt they're in the playoffs? Not to me. I don't think so. I mean, so, yeah. I, I agree with you is what I'm trying to say. Not that yeah, I don't think you're so, right. So so bringing Brady in, a guy who you just know isn't going to – I don't know what his arm strength's going to be. I don't. He's not the same guy he was you know, 10 years ago, no question. But he's not going to throw with 30 interceptions. He's not going to throw 20 interceptions, I don't think. So just just cutting that number in half probably puts three more wins on your on your uh, on your record. Rippy, mm, I don't know for whatever reason I can't quit the Falcons when fully healthy, but it's going to be close. I think they're I think Carolina's probably a leg behind the other three, but that top spot like one, two, and three is going to be tough to decipher. Richard, the question is, who would be the Saints' biggest challengers for the NFC South in 2020 of the three other teams in the division? I mean, my gut tells me the Falcons, but it's like, do you want to, do you really want to bet against Tom Brady because of the weapons? How is Tampa Bay going to be defensively? I mean, I know all we talk about is offense when we're talking about football anymore, but are they going to be okay defensively? In the front they seven, they will be. would have been a top-12 defense if not Jameis. They got put in just impossible spots. The Falcons can't continue to be inept, can they? God willing. <laughs> I mean, when you have, okay, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley on a one-year deal, unbelievable weapons on the outside with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Plus, they've got Hayden Hurst at tight end. Plus a decent offensive line. A couple first-rounders. This is what made last year's draft look so good. I know people around there got uh, really fired up because they used both first-round picks to get offensive linemen, but now look at them. Yeah. It's going to be a good division, isn't it? It it's at least debatable. Division. It's the best in football. At least debatable. You should get not only you should get a ten win wild card team out of this division. I would think it could be like more. two years ago where you get three teams. Remember when Atlanta, Carolina yeah. were the wild cards, and you had New Orleans that won the division. That wouldn't yeah. shock me at all. No, nah, wouldn't shock me either. The the like uh, as TJ said, the uh, the AFC West is who the uh, is the AFC division. The, the Saints, the, the NFC South is paired with. So, I mean, you got games against Denver, the Chargers, the Raiders. Those aren't unwinnable. Obviously, the Chiefs, are gonna, that's going to be a tough game for everybody. But uh, you, you got a chance to get some wins there. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, if you, you look at the NFC South last year, it was the Saints at 13-3. and three, And then you had the Falcons and the Bucks both at 7-9 and nine, and Carolina at 5-11. and 11. I mean, I think Carolina just given all the crazy changes that they've had in this offseason, finishes last in the division. And I think the Saints win the division. But, I mean, you you could tell me today the Falcons or the Bucks win it, and you could pretty easily convince me that that's the case. Sports Talk Mississippi. News out of Birmingham last night into this morning. 
surprising at all, but now official. Andy Kennedy, uh, officially this morning, but news got out last night, has been named the head basketball coach at UAB. The deal is still pending approval by the Alabama System Board of Trustees. But AK is returning to his alma mater where he is the second leading scorer in program history. Two-time SEC coach of the year, winning his coach at Ole Miss. Head coach of the Rebels 2006 to 2018 after spending one year as the interim head coach at the University of Cincinnati. Last two years working for ESPN and SEC Network. Six-year contract which runs through the 2025-2026 season. Financial terms have not been disclosed. However... I'll tell you the uh, the last couple of coaches. So uh, Essen, the guy that uh, that they just fired, was working on a four year deal that paid him about four hundred and fifty thousand a year. You remember Mike Davis, the former uh, Indiana head coach, that spent some time at UAB. Uh, the last contract that he had, he was making six hundred twenty five thousand. So you know when Andy finished at Ole Miss, he was at right at two million a year. So probably a good bit below that, but my guess would be significantly more that he was making uh, calling basketball games. I think this was less about money, though, and more the fact that Andy Kennedy wanted to get back into the grind of coaching. That That's in his blood. I mean, he, he told me that. We, we talked about that, you know, hanging out before a, a game we did in Baton Rouge. He, he missed it. Um, and I think he feels like television is an option. I do know that he wanted to be careful, though. He wanted to make sure that he picked the right job because if he doesn't pick the right job or if he had not picked what he believed was the right job and he didn't win, then he was going to be, you know, a coach for three more years and then he'd be out and he'd be done. But going to a place where he believes he can win and he's going to be universally recognized and it's a hire that's going to be lauded by everybody. Everybody likes AK. And he's going to a place where his fans will love him because they remember him as a player. What do you guys think of this? I'm sad that he's not going to be on TV anymore because he was absolutely fantastic. He's great. Um, but there's no there's no doubt. I mean, the guy's a good coach. He won a lot of games for Ole Miss before Ole Miss should have been winning games. He was able to get players to come there when he had a hole in the roof of his facility. So... Good coach, good recruiter. UAB has traditionally been a good basketball program. I I think he'll be successful. Rippy, there was talk of Andy getting this job four or five years ago when there were questions of whether or not it would be a good time to hit the reset button. He didn't get the UAB job, whether he turned it down or it wasn't offered or whatever. I mean, whatever. Um, But ended up staying at Ole Miss and got back to the NCAA tournament, and then it didn't end in exactly glorious fashion. What, what do you think of the decision for him to go to UAB? Yeah, this is a great fit. It's our loss because you don't get to hear him on television anymore, but this is going to be interesting. I think he's going to do well there. I think it's a perfect if, – if there's a perfect fit in college hoops and coaching or whatever, this seems to be close to it. You like the move, Borky? I do, but I am sad. We're not going to get him on TV. <laughs> I mean – Goodness, especially the uh, the the Jeremy situation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Ron Jeremy. Yeah, see, I, I didn't uh, you know didn't know how much 
that name was radio appropriate. But well, I mean, it's just, just in name. case you missed it, just, just in case you missed it, he and Tom Hart were doing a game at Arkansas earlier uh, this season, and there was like a fat head held up in the audience of Ron Burgundy, <laughs> and Andy Kennedy goes, "Hey, Ron Jeremy." And Tom goes, no, Ron Burgundy. And what was his response? That's a totally different channel. It's That's like, a different oh, yeah. channel, partner. <laughs> That's a different channel. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's, it's a I texted shame Richard immediately that when that happened. I texted him immediately. As you, you soon did. as it came out of his mouth, I was like, did you just hear? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then later worked spurtability into the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Aren't they building a, a new arena there? Like, is that UAB's arena that they're renovating for the G League team? Oh, I don't know the answer to that, Borky. They play in a relatively new arena. They've got a good setup for, for basketball there. Um, I mean, it's a basketball-only venue. I mean, they may play volleyball in it, too, or something, but it seats right at 8,000. they got a really I, – I remember AK being – jealous of both UAB and South Alabama's arenas when he was the coach at Ole Miss prior to the pavilion. Like, I'd give anything for the Mitchell Center at South Alabama, and uh, I think it's called Bartow Arena there at UAB. Yeah, this is, I know this is special for him. Because yeah, I was mistaken. The- Two different places. So they're building or renovating like crazy the other arena in Birmingham. Uh, Legacy Arena, which used to be the BJCC. $125 million worth of renovation there. Yeah, there's a lot happening in that part of Birmingham. You know, Andy not only played at uh, UAB and played at a really high level, but he also was an assistant coach for uh, the late Gene Bartow for uh, six years. So uh, if you saw the video, he says it's the only place that's ever really been home to me, and he's going home. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we will chat with the head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Mike Leach, first appearance on the Farm Bureau phone line. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Friday afternoon. Weird time, right? Uh, should be into day two of the uh, NCAA men's basketball tournament. We are not. We should be into weekend number two of the college baseball season. We are not. This was supposed to be the first week back from spring break on college campuses, which also would have meant the start of spring football. That is not the case either. So we sit and wait. The Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Avoid the waiting no. room with Ceasefire Health. Download the telehealth app today and get treated by UMMC clinicians right from your phone. Now just $29 for everyone for each visit. With Ceasefire Health, anyone in Mississippi can get treatment for non-emergency conditions like fever, coughing, and more. Even have prescriptions sent to your local pharmacy. Download Ceasefire Health and try it for just $29 per visit. Learn more at ceasefirehealth.com. 
We are glad to have you along, and uh, I'm doing a bit of tap dancing right now as we are uh, working to try and connect with Mike Leach, head football coach at Mississippi State. He's scheduled to uh, visit with us uh, for the next little bit, and uh, who knows? It might have been like writing a new book or something. Uh, A couple of books written uh, by Mike Leach, all kinds of uh, cool stuff uh, going on with uh, uh, the head coach at Mississippi State. Obviously a fascinating guy. And a, a heck of a football coach as well. And, you know, hey, Dad, what, to me the biggest question, we asked John Cohen about this yesterday, is, you know, how quickly can the offense be installed? We, we've talked to, about the fact, and, and Mike Leach has talked about the fact, that it's not a long, difficult installation process, but you're expecting to be able to do that in the spring. And you can't do it now in the spring because looks like there's not going to be any spring football practice. That's the question, you know, you have to, to wonder about. And, and especially with – you know, MSU, the guy they thought was going to be the starting quarterback, K.J. Costello, wasn't planning to be there in the spring anyway. But now nobody's going to have any kind of advantage whatsoever. So I don't think it's going to be a huge disadvantage, especially you have to believe that they're going to find a way to get some extra practice time to all of these schools. I think that everything will be okay. But, yeah, I do think that, you know, he wanted to probably get out there on the practice field because beyond the quarterback position, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered offensively with the receivers, with what you're changing, you know, from a, from a lineman perspective, from what you're, you know, who are you going to find behind Kylan Hill, who you can count on to be productive. There was a lot of questions that need to be answered beyond that. So, yeah, I think the, the, the spring training, you know, the lack of it's going to hurt, but we'll see. You know, everybody focuses when you're talking about Mike Leach on his quarterbacks, and for obvious reasons, because the quarterback is yeah, it's the most important position in football, but also they've just put up such gaudy numbers. But to your point just a second ago, you don't put those numbers up if you don't have guys that can go out and catch the ball, that can get open, can make plays with the ball in their hands. You know, if you look at uh, kind of what Washington State did a year ago, you had running backs catching a ton of balls, which are you know either short passes or behind the line of scrimmage passes, and then making plays in the open field. Mississippi State hasn't had that the last couple of years. Not at all. Not at all from the receiver position. I mean, you know, they just had guys who you really couldn't even trust them to make the catch, let alone to do anything uh, from beyond the catch. And then you know, at the running back position, they haven't done a whole lot with the passing game. You know, Kylan Hill, I think, in his uh, Moorhead's first year, caught 20 passes. He had less than 20 catches last year. Harris Williams was never much for, for catching passes out of the backfield. So, you know, it's a completely new look and a completely new set of responsibilities. And if nothing else, you just want to get those reps in and, and get those guys, you know, used to catching the football. You know, catching the football is a skill. I think it can be taught. I think it can be learned. But you got to be able to get out on the practice field and do that. What do you think it will look like with Kylan Hill this year? I think he'll have a big year. He won't carry the ball as much, obviously, but he'll have a lot of catches. I mean, last year, Washington State's tailback, Max Borgie, had 86 catches. So, you know, if if Kylan's between 125 and 150 carries and, you know, 70 to 80 catches, it's really not that different than this past year where he had 200-plus carries but only, you know, 15 or so catches. The number of touches is going to remain the same. And I like Kylan Hill out in the open field. I like the idea of getting him out, you know, mismatched, past the line of scrimmage with a linebacker or a safety who he can, be, he can be more physical than. So I think he can be a big weapon. I don't know that Mike Leach has ever coached a running back like Kylan Hill before. It might be the most talented running back he's ever had. Yeah. And I guess your numbers work. I mean, if, if you say 150 carries a game over the course of 12, you know, just taking the bowl game out of the, the equation, you're talking about 12 carries per game and then additional, what, seven catches per game, give or take. So, you know, 
18 to 20 touches per game, that probably is good enough to get legitimate production out of Kylan Hill. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he's, I don't expect him to average 10 or 12 yards a catch. You know, he might be a seven or eight yard a catch guy, but if he's getting, you know, five to 600 yards receiving and between 800 and 1,000 yards rushing, you know, that's that's how I try to look at it anyways. Like yards are yards. It doesn't really matter how you're getting them. So if you have fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred all purpose yards, does it really do you really care if you had sixteen hundred on the ground and two hundred in the air or you know nine hundred each? Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, and welcome in for the very first time, Mississippi State's head football coach Mike Leach. Coach, appreciate uh, a few minutes of your time. I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure there's some football activity, but what are you doing to uh, to entertain yourself to keep busy in this time with uh, nothing else much going on? Well, there's very little football activity. This is one of those things that kind of transcends sports that we're in the middle of here. And so, um, you know, the biggest thing is is uh, try to make a productive time. You know, uh, you know, reading, keep in touch with people, and. Uh, and make sure we're on track. You know, the academic effort, I guess, with regard to our team is one of the most challenging because they have to do it uh, over the Internet, but making sure they have access and computers and things like that. If you had to give one book recommendation, like somebody was sitting down there like, you know what, I haven't been a regular reader, and I need a book recommendation, and it was not one of the books that you've actually written, what would you advise people to read? If it's not one of the books that I what? It, not not one of the books that you have authored. I mean, those are obviously okay. required reading. But if you were going to make another recommendation, what would it be? Um, okay, I'll tell you what I'm in the middle of right now, uh, and and I've read other books. Uh, or I've read other stuff by uh, Willie Morris, uh, uh, but people in the state of Mississippi and those that aren't are just curious about it. Um, read My Mississippi by Willie Morris. Okay. I think My Dog Skip is another uh, pretty good Willie Morris book that's out there. So My Mississippi by Willie Which Morris. Which one did you read? Uh, it's, it's called My Dog Skip. Oh, yeah, that's outstanding. I've read that. Yep, yep, that's a uh, that's a good one. I, I want to get into some different stuff with you, but I, I'm curious about the kind of the practical side of the football piece of what's going on right now. Your first-year head coach at Mississippi State, obviously you've been a lot of places and coach ball for a long time. But it feels like this was an important spring to install the offense, to install the defense, to get to know your players. It looks like that's completely out the window. How big of a deal is that going forward into into year number one? Well, it's difficult to say. I mean, nobody else gets spring either, but I think year one it's uh, particularly important. We're going to have to be um, really good at uh, you know teaching our players. and um, We're going to have to, in other words, we're going to have to uh, make more of our uh, film when we get the, you know, when we're allowed to. We're going to have to make more of our film, our walkthroughs, and our practices uh, than in the past, just get the most out of it that we can. And um, may have to make some choices on simplifying some things. But in any case, uh, yeah, it is an important time. Uh, some will be mitigated by the fact that others don't get it. But, um you know, installing it is very important because there's a point to where, you know, once you have it in for a couple of years, then the older players can help bring along the younger players. We're not in that position. And um, so it'll be a challenge, but 
you know, you just deal with it as it comes. Mike Leach on your radio, head football coach at Mississippi State. Uh, if the NCAA were to allow some additional practice time, let's just say that spring is completely out the window, what would you want to see that look like? Would it be five extra practices? Is it ten extra practices? Or is that a bad idea, adding that to fall camp kind of going into the year? Well, that's awfully tough to speculate. It depends when. And then, you know, there's different things you can do. You can, you know, whether it's walkthroughs or allowed to have some lower tempo stuff with a ball or whether it's meetings, but there is a point to where, you know, if you pack it too close to camp, um, you know, I mean, there's a point to where if you're overly, let's say you get the extra practices and it's right in camp, you know, if your squad's overly taxed, uh, you know, physically, and you're just having extra practices, you're working on something, but you're not working on football, you know, I mean, because it's a game of execution. What is your expectation for the quarterback position? You know, the biggest thing, we just have to figure out which guy can do the best job moving the offense. And, uh, you know, the expectation is really always the same. And different quarterbacks have different qualities and capabilities. But, you know, in the end, you want the guy that can uh, move the offensive unit the best. And, um, you know, in the... And it takes reps to identify that. And, you know, that's definitely as soon as we're able to uh, practice, uh, you know, that's a priority for us to identify that. Mike Leach on your radio. I'm curious uh, what, uh, I guess, three months or so that you've been in Mississippi. What have you learned about Mississippi that you didn't know coming in? Uh, You know, I was – actually quite familiar with Mississippi, whether it was um, from recruiting there, uh, people that I'd known and coached from there, uh, being in and out of there uh, over the last uh, 30 years. Um, I can't say any, like, tremendous surprises. I mean, there's a there's a great deal of camaraderie in, in uh, Mississippi and also just tremendous uh, quality of football players and, and commitment to football and commitment to, uh, you know, just uh, going out there and, and, and achieving things together, and I've always admired that. Um, I would say the uh, – and then there's history in Mississippi everywhere, which you can spend your whole life and not uncover all of that. I would say that the <clears throat> one thing that became a little clearer to me uh, in the last couple months would be um, the other places, Mississippi, as you get closer to it, um, different regions have different qualities. Different regions have um, different uh, backgrounds. Different regions have uh, different uh, characteristics and uh, idiosyncrasies. And and I think that uh, is really fascinating because I didn't know uh, Mississippi in that fashion Um uh, before I got there, I mean, you got the Gulf, you got the Delta, you've got the the Piney Woods, you got the Prairie, you got the you know the the whole thing, and so um, uh, I think uh, uh, learning those distinctions uh, really is kind of what's uh, got me fascinated recently. Hey, coaches, Brian Haydad. 
we were talking about Kylan Hill before you jumped on with us just a moment ago, and you know, you're, obviously your offense has been known for great quarterbacks and great receivers, and you've played a lot of good running backs in your time. But with a, with a running back like Kylan Hill, who you, Mississippi State fans are used to seeing carry the ball twenty plus times a game, that that's likely to change, I would imagine. What can he bring to this offense, and, and can he be the, the same kind of weapon he was in a more ground based offense in an air raid offense? Well, our uh, our running backs over the years typically uh, will lead uh, the conference in uh, sometimes all-purpose yards, but definitely uh, yards uh, from scrimmage, and um, and so uh, you know, and and those yards spend the same whether it's on the ground or in the air. Uh, by position, our running back position touches the ball more than any other position. Um, but uh, uh, we're obviously not going to exclusively hand it off. We definitely will a significant amount, but uh, we expect to uh, throw it, and it'll look uh, a lot like those running backs on Sunday, I think. Mike Leach visiting with you. Coaches, you were talking about kind of the, the history of Mississippi, and you know, you, people certainly know about your fascination and your interest in the history of pirates and, and war strategy. I'm curious where all of that comes from. Is, is there just a, a thirst for knowledge? Is it because of reading and something triggered you somewhere along the way where I want to learn more about a lot of different things? I think it happened when I was a kid. I also think, you know, talking to my mom, like my mom used to stay up late and, uh, you know, just stories in general, whether it was history or just stories or something she'd read or something she'd seen and then of course tv back then you only had a few channels and because we lived out in the country and so then the imagination would kind of unfold and then you'd read what you could about it but uh you know uh history provides uh you know the greatest storyteller uh that there is is history you know i mean uh this history has all kinds of stories and of course there's all kinds of people that you can learn things from and I think that's uh, not only is it significant and should be significant to everyone, but also the stories are just outstanding. And that, that you know, and and there's so many instances where uh, you know uh, truth is wilder than fiction. And uh, you know, because some true stories you can't, you could make a movie out of it because nobody would believe it because it, it, it would be you know so crazily co- coincidental that it would seem contrived, but. Uh, now, there's one fascinating uh, 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 story after the next. I was talking to another guy on the radio who's fascinated by Lewis and Clark. and um, But you, you can just imagine the stories there. And I have barely scratched the surface on Lewis and Clark. Is there – I know you – I don't know if scholar is the right word or just interested in war history, but is there a, a, a conflict, a war through history that stands out or is more interesting to you than others because of the circumstances surrounding it? Uh, the Civil War. Civil War is always in part of it uh, with the Civil War. Well, first of all, you had kind of the conver- uh, convergence of our country. You know, you had a lot of, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, whether, you know, states' rights, federal rights, you know, all the stuff that uh, melded uh, together. I mean, um, and, 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 you know, and then in the end, uh you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, we remained a union. And um, so I think that the Civil War was fascinating from the, the forces going on in our country, um, you know, because there was, uh, you know, noble, uh, a great deal of noble people on all sides. And, 
and not always they didn't always agree, but uh, um, you know were about what was best for the country and their family. I think generally speaking, and then um, but the other thing from a warfare standpoint, it's where uh, modern warfare was ushered in. Uh, you know, the modern era of war developed in the Civil War. You went from uh, single shot. Uh, firearms to repeating firearms you went from uh uh you know kind of little grenades or charges you'd set off to uh uh even uh, a limited amount of aerial bombing you, you went from um <clears throat> where you know these siege armies uh would um you know run into one another and, and but never leave their supply lines to then where you know you'd routinely uh, leave your supply line to uh, go execute attacks like you know uh whether it was like uh you know the examples would be uh, Stonewall Jackson or um or William Tecumseh Sherman you know leave the supply lines and and go off the land and and uh and embrace your en- uh, enemy in a very quick fashion uh you know and I think there are a lot of things that came together in the civil war that um you know for good or for bad I mean it is uh uh, change the method of warfare in a fairly sudden period of time, uh, maybe more so than any other time. Coach, if you're interested in the Civil War, Coach, if you're interested in the Civil War, I got to get you down to my hometown of Vicksburg, Mississippi. We'll, we'll give you all the. Civil oh, I've been, War talk. I've been to the battlefield. I've walked the battlefield and I've, I've checked it out, and you know the bluffs, and they even tried to divert the river, and uh, you know some of the mansions would move their gear to a cave, and you know what? If, uh, I mean, yes. Mike, I'm curious if you're hard to work for. Like, in terms of assistant coaches, you put your staff together. Are, are you a demanding boss? Are you a guy that just kind of lets guys get their work done, and as long as they're doing it, you, you're not exactly worried about what the office hours look like? What, what are you like to work for? I'm pretty result-determinative. You know, I mean, everybody's got their job, and, and I try to give them the leeway to do it because you I don't want to stifle creativity and innovation. Um, but you know, uh, together we have to, um, you know, uh, you know, get the best results we can. And we, uh, and I think it's very important that we're working on all cylinders in everybody's office. We don't have them up yet. We were about to have them up when this whole virus thing came, but it, it, it's going to be a sign that says you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And, uh, and I think everybody needs to embrace and abide by that. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I think people that are highly motivated that want to get things accomplished, uh, uh, you know, or uh, their mind and their hearts all in the same place. They want to get things done. Now, the majority of the people on my staff I've worked for or coached in some form or fashion before. Uh, so, and I'm not probably not the perfect guy to ask that. It'd be better to ask them. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I try to, uh, you know, focus on uh, the objective, you know, like when do we go home? Well, when we're done. Well, um, when do we come in? Well, do you have anything to do? I mean, you know, because you do at that dead period. It's like, uh, uh, you know, I mean, somewhere in July, I went to the office to grab something and you know, there's a couple of coaches and they're like, why are you here? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, why are you here? Shouldn't you be? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, some cases they're, uh, you know, they're all set and they're going to go do something with their family and they're there for the same reason I was. And, 
couple other cases, you know, they're just death guarders and just nervous energy that they feel like they're not doing nothing unless they're by their desk. And, you know, those are, they have to massage those anxieties themselves. But, you know, when you go into camp, I want fresh, uh, well-rested and clear-minded people, you know, to, uh, so that we can get the most accomplished that we can. Just a couple of minutes left. Phil Longo is somebody that I got to know pretty well uh, in the time that he was at Ole Miss. He had great admiration for you, but he said that uh, you did not necessarily keep the same hours that everybody else kept. He said if he you know, wanted to get you on the phone at 8 in the morning, good luck. But, you know, 11, 12, 1 in the morning, n- no problem then. Are those still kind of the hours you keep? Well, I'm a night person. With regard to football, though, I think – I've always viewed football as kind of a swing shift. I, I don't do the early morning practices. I really don't understand those because you don't play any fourth quarters or um, at like six in the morning. I mean, we have zero fourth quarters at that point in time. <laughs> and then the other thing is, uh, um, so, you know, we practice at the traditional time. And you can't get your players until, um, <clears throat> you know, the afternoon. And so, um, uh so, you know, we get in there, get practice ready, which is probably mid-morning, and then uh, we go out uh, and we have our meetings, and then we practice. And then I like watching the film right after practice. So practice ends, dinner, and then I like going in and watching that day's practice right then, which means, you know, we're going to be there at night. So, um, you know, with regard to early morning stuff, uh, I, I would have to, uh, just a handicap, I'd say we're a great place to work. Uh, Sunday and Monday night, I'd say it's a fairly brutal place because we've got all that film to get through and we're going to get the game plan in. Game plan has to be in Monday night. So then it's uh, probably relatively late. Um, and then, uh, but after Monday, then it's uh, once we watch the film, then, yeah, you call some recruits and then out you go, you know. Yeah. But uh, I don't believe in meeting just to meet. I don't believe in having hours just to have hours, you know. I mean, uh, outside of, uh, you know, having people in position so they can address any problems at the office with the players or recruits, you know. Coach, we've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. I hope we can visit again uh, soon. Wish you all the best, and uh, hopefully we'll have football to talk about here before too terribly much longer. Well, that sounds outstanding. Great talking to you guys. You as well. That's Mike Leach, head football coach at uh, at Mississippi State. Covered a lot of ground there. We uh, talked about uh, kind of the, the stress of trying to install the entire offense uh, without a spring practice, he doesn't seem to be overly worried about that, but said there is uh, there is some unknown, um, especially with not having a, a team that's returning. Uh, talked some about the role of, of Kylan Hill and what running backs have done in his offense and uh, Civil War history and gave a book recommendation. He suggested Willie Morris is my Mississippi. If you are uh, looking for a book to read during uh, this time where we all seem to have some extra free time. That was fun. Yeah, we should I do that, that more often. Be. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're open to it whenever he's open to it, Borky. Can, yeah. can, can we uh, make that the, our standard answer? Yeah. Tend to agree. You know what? We got to the end, and there's one thing. There was a suggestion we had on the C Spire text line. I wish I had asked him. You're always going to have a regret, right? If he's got a theory on why people have been so dead set on stocking up on toilet paper during uh, the current coronavirus crisis. 
That would have been a good one. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a quick timeout and be back with you on this Friday. If you missed Mike Leach on the Farm Bureau phone line, by the way, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. You can always go back and listen on demand at supertalk.fm, or you can uh, download the show as a podcast, and there are a lot of different places you can do that. Uh, The uh, Apple Podcast Store, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget, you can also get Thunder and Lightning and the the Rebel Report, uh, not to mention the uh, Supertalk Eagle Hour podcast. So those are uh, all available. All right, we spent... uh, about 20 minutes with uh, with Mike Leach. Really appreciate his time, and uh, thanks to uh, Brandon Langlois at Mississippi State, who is the uh, new football media relations director, uh, for helping us get that uh, that set up. And you as well, hey Dad. I know you've been working on uh, getting that done for a while. What stood out to you about uh, about what Mike Leach had to say? Well, first off, big props for my hometown of Vicksburg. Um, yeah, I, I he like said he'd what already he had been say- and walked the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, which I have, I have, you know, I've been through there myself. Um, first off, I like getting some uh, confirmation of something that I believe when he he said it himself. Those yards all spin the same way. That you know, it doesn't really matter how guys get yards. Yards are yards, points are points. Um, so you know, if Kylan Hill is a guy who you know doesn't carry the ball you know twenty five times a game, but he's still getting one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five yards yards, it doesn't matter how he's getting them. Um, and I liked what he said about you know his coaches and being results oriented. I'm that way myself. I don't really, for lack of a better term, give a crap about processes. I just care about the end result. If if the end result is good, then then that's that's what you want. So, so what you're telling me to make this very political? You're not a Common Core math kind of guy. Oh my God, that that may be one one good thing that comes out of this uh, this quarantine is we may get rid of Common Core because all these parents are at home trying to teach their kids math and I don't know how to do that, but I can carry the one. So, yeah, I, I, I am a I am a results kind of guy. So Mike Leach being a results kind of guy that that sits well with me. Rippy, what stood out to you? Really, nothing to have to do with the football, but is a. His approach on and his approach on like how he views history and storytelling was fascinating to me. But I guess with the football thought, I'd ask, "Hey, Dad, I don't really know enough about Colin Hill to know, but I still don't think him coming back made a ton of sense. But could this one year actually help him to where he's used out of the backfield a ton? Is there anything lacking yeah. there in terms of how he was used then at all? I think." Yeah, I think that if he can show he can be a, a three-down back, not that I, I think he was uh, under Moorhead and and you know the the little bit he played under Mullen, but you know he was never really allowed to be be used as a receiver. So yeah, I think if he comes back this year and you know you know that he can what he can do when he, he handed the ball. Now you're going to see what he, he can do when you catch the ball, and if nothing else, you know carries and catches are just different to me in terms of. You take a little more punishment on a carry. So this is going to be like a year where he's not going to put as much tread on the tires. We talked about that when he decided to go pro that, you know, a running back has a shelf life. We're seeing that now with, with these running backs not going to, they're not going to be getting these big contracts anymore. So you only have so many carries in, in the, uh, in you as a running back. So this, he's going to not get as many carries this year as he would have under Dan Mullen or Joe Moorhead. And so it makes him just a, just a touch fresher when he gets to the NFL. 
the carry I mean, the catch thing is not also something not everyone has the ability to do, which is kind of what you're I right. was getting at too. No, you're right. Yeah, to be able to be a back that can be on the the field for three downs, that can stay out there when it's third and twenty two, and can be a threat to convert off of a catch at third and twenty two. I mean, even off of a check down, Kylan Hill is the kind of running back that in the open field can make people miss. So, that I think there's there's a big opportunity for him in Mike Leach's system. What about you, Borky? Let's sit out. If I ever get the chance, and I don't think I will given our current setup, to talk to Mike Leach one-on-one, I think it would be hours before I asked him about football. Just, yeah. a, just a fascinating person with so many unique interests that you don't get to talk to people enough about. Like, I haven't had a Civil War history conversation with any of my friends ever. And so just to sit down with this guy that's obviously extremely well-read on subjects like that that you never get to talk to would be – it's just so fascinating and diverse to me, the the depth of knowledge and interest this dude has. I don't think – I couldn't care less about talking football with him because of how interesting he is. By that same token, Borky, I think he would be more than happy to have an entire conversation with you and never talk about football. (laughs) Probably prefer it. Yeah. I'd probably ask him to sword fight. <laughs> You'd be bleeding at the end of that, I feel. I didn't say I'd win. <laughs> hey, Dad, you know Dan Mullen never would have read a Willie Morris book. Oh, well, you know, read the court of Marcus Dupree. <laughs> you know, nah, tried to learn know. how to recruit, didn't do it. Yeah, Will- Willie Morris was probably too tied to Ole Miss for Dan Mullen to have read one. Ah, well, books. you know, school up north, didn't read Faulkner either. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, uh, by Mississippi. <laughs> See how many. Uh, how many I haven't read that. I need, to, I need to check it that. out. Yeah, he liked my dog Skip, also, huh? Yeah, yeah, jumped all uh, all over that. Uh, that was fascinating. For me, it was, and there there aren't many there aren't many roads that you can take Mike Leach down where he doesn't have an opinion or he hasn't given some pretty serious thought to it. Either that or he is the world's greatest BSer. But I think it's more about he he thinks a lot about a lot of different things. And the the warfare strategy stuff is I, I, I have not read um his two books. I, I need to do that. Uh Swing Your Sword and um Oh, uh, what was the name of the other one, Borky? Or uh, hey Dan. Um Oh, Geronimo, the, yeah. the the two books that that he has written, and I need to do that because I am fascinated with you know warfare tactics and and whatnot. One of the most interesting classes that I took when I was in college, um, with probably the smartest person I've ever been around in my life, uh, Doctor Daniel Geller, taught international conflict in the nuclear age. Whew! It, you, I mean, I like that. And and it was a class about war theory and nuclear nations and nations with nuclear capabilities and That's a class it, like that state yeah i mean it was just remarkable hey dad this I professor think, had he he had i'm not saying he didn't have more clothes than this but i think he just i think his closet had three items in them <laughs> he had he was, he, was pull, he was pulling a dr car scadden there same shirt every day he had white short sleeve 
polo shirts, black long sleeve turtlenecks, and khaki pants. And he had Dr. Cor- Go ahead. a leather jacket that he wore when it was cold. Dr. Garskadden, who's my, my buddy Bob Garskadden's dad, teaches psychology right. at State. Long long sleeve, blue button down shirt every day. Every day. Yeah. Never worn. You don't think it's like you, the same one over and over. You think he has multiple of them? I, I have been told from a source that would know that he has a closet full of blue shirts. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, so. that makes sense. So. Wears khaki he, pants with him every day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I or does he change up the pants? Now, to my knowledge, and I don't recall, it's been a long time since I sat in that class. I won't say he had khakis on every day. <laughs> I wonder if Coach Leach has made it over to uh, the library, to, to, to the presidential library there, to see uh, President Grant's stuff. I don't know if he has or not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We talk about Civil War. You can be, you can be a part of the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Avoid the waiting room with C Spire Health. Download the telehealth app today and get treated by UMMC clinicians right from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone with C Spire Health. Anyone in Mississippi can get treatment for non-emergency conditions like fever, coughing, and more even have prescriptions sent to your local pharmacy. Download C Spire Health and try it for just $29 per visit. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. You know, like the more we talk about it, the more I wanted to, I have that I want to ask. Like We could have legitimately had him on for the first segment, kept him on for the whole show. And we would still walk away saying, I needed to ask him more. I think that's how that's, – he's just an interesting guy. You know, and yeah. he – you know, and he's well, I, just okay. not we, – We've you and I, you know, we've been doing this job, and we've been talking to coaches, and we're so used to coach speak, and you just get the same – and we sort of ask the same questions and get the same answers from everybody. What do you think about your offensive line? How's your quarterback? And he's just different. And I think Lane Kiffin can be different like that too. And that, that's why it's so exciting – What's about to happen here in this state? You know, when when we get back to normal and we can get back to, to looking ahead to football, this is going to be a hell of a fall in Mississippi. We've never had one like it, I promise. Yeah. Hammy in Hattiesburg, congratulations, my friend. He says he's got a good winner for us. When we get back to winners and losers on Monday, he said, we lost sports, mainly college baseball and the Masters, in my opinion. That being said, I've spent the past eight weeks at OCS, Officer Candidate School. It's official. I traded in my sergeant stripes for my gold bar. Congratulations. 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 That is fantastic. And Hammy, welcome back. He says he's missed us. Well, we missed you. And we're glad to have you back, my friend. We will uh, we'll take a quick time out. It is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Friday afternoon, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being along for the ride. All right. For the final hour and six minutes of the show today, we're going to do something that I think is going to be fun. And I think it's going to really generate some interaction with you on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. If it's more convenient, feel free to send us a tweet at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. So a couple of days ago, 
I guess it was uh, Wednesday night, about 9 o'clock or so, I, I sent these three guys, Borky and Rippy and Haydad, a text. I said, homework assignment. I want you to think about the five greatest athletes you've ever seen in person. And Rippy followed it up with, wait, five greatest athletes or five greatest athletic performances? And I said, well, let's do both. And I've had more fun trying to kind of think back through games that I've been to, events that I've been to, athletes that I've seen in person. That's the caveat. You had to have not watched them on television, not read a story about them or a box score, an event where you were there. And it's kind of fun to kind of go back through that process. Now, if you're like a sports talk radio critic, you might go, oh, it's mail-it-in time. They're doing a Mount Rushmore. If that's how you want to classify it, that's fine. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this will generate fun conversation. That and nobody, this, one person out there can accuse us of that when coronavirus has literally shut down sports. So Well, and we've literally and, never done a Mount Rushmore ever. Nope. And one of the reasons I workshopped this on the podcast, despite Richard's contentiousness, is that I, uh, it reminded me of how many I forgot and how many I was actually there for somewhere and missed. Because I knew there was no way my brain was actually going to capture like all of the memorable ones. Yeah, hey, Dad, I'm scrolling through Twitter last night, and it's like, hey, Friday mailbag coming up on the Rebel Report. Also, we'll talk about the five greatest athletes you've ever seen and the five greatest performances. I was like, I'm oh, sorry, would you like to really, would you like guys? to put a would you like to put a trademark on how to fix baseball or should college athletes be paid? Would you is that is that your claim as well? Um, I was just thinking that just like back in high school, I did the homework and it was pointless. Yeah, yeah almost like Spanish class. <laughs> Rippy, do you Rippy, do you prefer TM or Circle R? <laughs> Point being, <laughs> no, I'm going to die. I am going to die over here. <laughs> And we got some good responses that I will now bring forth to the radio show, and I have three or four that I wouldn't have otherwise remembered. So I'm not a hero, but if you like to call me one, I won't stop you. Anyway, go ahead. No, no. I just am excited about the fact that for the first time – how long have you worked here now, Rippy? A year and what? Uh, is, it a, is it a full year yet? Yes, it's definitely a year. It's like year and a half? Approaching, approaching two. Well, it felt okay. like six months to you. <laughs> or six Two years. decades, probably, yeah. So, for the first time in the history of this here radio program, Brian Scott Rippey is not going to be at full economy of words because he has given thought to the topic, he has workshopped it on his podcast, and so we're going to get in-depth, well-thought-out points from Brian Scott Rippey with regard to the five best athletes he's ever seen and the five best performances he's ever seen. Right, Rippy? Yep. This global pandemic has everyone feeling froggy. I'm ready to go. I love it. So I want you to be thinking about it as well. That's what we're going to do for the 5 o'clock hour. And my guess is we'll run out of time and we'll run out of stories and we will probably circle back to this at, uh, at some point in the future. Not because we're being lazy, but because I think it's going to be uh, fun. Somebody said, what the heck is Mount Rushmoreing? <laughs> Don't Mount worry about Rushmore. it. We're never going to do it. Mount Rushmore. I mean, obviously, there are four president heads up there, and people love to do a Mount Rushmore of sports. 
the the crazy thing about it is it it's lazy and it's been used as like a uh, I've got nothing else to talk about, so let's talk about this. Like that and Pete Rose are kind of the sports talk radio topics of there's nothing else to talk about. Phone lines open. Should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? It's just lazy is kind of the point. However, inevitably, those topics generate a lot of discussion and a lot of passionate opinions. I saw, for example, they were doing the Mount Rushmore of Boston sports figures earlier this week. And it was wildly fascinating to me, to the point that Larry Bird was left off the Mount Rushmore of Boston sports figures. So, send us yours. We'll get through some of ours as well. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour on this Friday. Five best athletes you've seen in person, five best athletic performances you've seen in person when we come back. Just after 5 o'clock with you, Friday afternoon, you play Jimmy Buffett, and it's almost like all kind of feels right with the world. We are good to be with you. It is Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. A couple of things I want to point out to you. Uh, Obviously, this week we have not been able to uh, give you the Pearl River Resort pick of the day because... Right now, there's nothing to pick. I can assure you that we will jump in with both feet when there are games to pick again. We may be even double and triple up on picking some of our games. Uh, Pearl River Resort has temporarily ceased gaming and hotel operations at Silver Star, Golden Moon, and the Bacoma Casinos. So they, uh, they shut those down at midnight on March 18th. The current plan is to resume all operations on April 1st, 2020. So please know that uh, our good friends at uh, Pearl River Resort are are going through a difficult time right now, just like all the rest of us, and they look forward to getting back and serving you. Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, Dancing Rabbit Inn, and the Pearl River Resort Welcome Center are remaining open. So on these days where you get a little bit of good weather, a little bit of warmth, maybe you can practice some social distancing, get your own golf cart, Sneak out the Dancing Rabbit, enjoy that beautiful facility, and uh, enjoy some nature as we uh, all try to get well and healthy and uh, uh, do all the things that are being asked to uh, to get past this difficult time. So that's your Pearl River Resort update, even though we don't have a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Don't forget, when things get rolling again, the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge will be there for you. That's number one. Borky, I think it's also really important to point out that um, – the state of Mississippi, and I'm not going to phrase this exactly the right way, I'm afraid I will attempt to, uh, but because the state of Mississippi has been declared a disaster area, uh, and that was happened uh, earlier today, information has gone out that small businesses can apply for SBA government-backed loans, which are low-interest-rate loans, uh, you can read all of the uh, the fine print at the SBA website uh, and check that in. So that's a uh, that could potentially be a big, big, big relief for businesses up to 500 employees. Well, I, no, don't let me start putting parameters on it. You go and read yourself. If you're a business owner uh, or a business leader, 
and you need more information, go to the SBA website. You can find all the information that you need to uh, at that time or when you go through there to decide if, one, you qualify, and two, that's something that could be helpful to you. Um, but there are going to be a lot of programs that are in place uh, that uh, will help. I, I would encourage you, if you feel like either you are currently in a difficult financial spot or you are headed in that direction if things don't improve pretty quickly, reach out to your local bank and, and talk to your banker about what programs they may have in place that, uh, that can help you. Uh, had a good conversation with uh, our friends at Renaissance Bank earlier today who uh, for a really long time have been a part of uh, this program and they could not have been more helpful and uh, more willing to work with their customers. And so if you've got some some financial needs that are tied to the coronavirus, uh, if you're out of work, uh, if you just need a little bit of help, reach out to your local banking institutions. Because I, I mentioned Renaissance Bank, but I think just about every bank is doing what they can because we are truly in unprecedented times right now. So there's your public service announcements. Let's get to the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out all that they've got to offer. Great cars, great trucks, great vans, SUVs out the wazoo. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. But if you go to the website, I mentioned it just a second ago, buyfordnow.com. You can find out about the incentives, the rebates, the specials that they've got going right now. Great place to start your search while you are quarantining. You can uh, you can start dreaming of that new Ford, maybe the F-150, the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. All right. Let's start in this. Let's go with the five greatest athletes that you have seen in person first. We'll start with just athletes you've seen in person, and then we'll transition from that into greatest athletic performances you have seen in person. Uh, let's see here. Hey, Dad, why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, we'll go with the, the one bulldog that made my list, uh, Eric Moltz. That guy was an okay. incredible, incredible athlete. Great speed. I mean, the, the picture, uh, I'll find it if, if, if you've never seen it, of him uh, catching a pass against Alabama where his hips are above the Alabama defender's head. He leaps mm-hmm. so high in the end zone. Um, but on top of that, just, just an all-around great athlete, could do a little bit of everything. The, 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 the talk of when I was at school at Mississippi State was that the best basketball player at Mississippi State wasn't Daryl Wilson, it wasn't Dante Jones or Eric Dampier, it was Eric Moltz. That he, if he had gone and played on those those teams, he would have made them even better than they were. We talked to Richard Williams yesterday, talked about a Final Four team. He might have been some sort of X factor. He, he was just an incredible, incredible athlete, and maybe parlayed it into a long career in the NFL. All right, so that's one of yours, mm-hmm. Rippy. Give me one of yours greatest athlete you've seen in person, Cam Newton. And that I know we're not doing performances yet, but that was one of the more popular ones, the 2010 game against Ole Miss, where Borky and I discovered his numbers weren't all that great that particular day, but the whole run one, catch one, throw one deal. And that was that, given who they played in the national championship game that year, that was the time where like the whole, like, holy cow, this offense is going fast, Chip Kelly thing was a big deal. That was still the greatest offense I've ever seen in person, and Cam Newton pretty much made that. So I'm picking Cam Newton. Cam Newton is on my list as well, and sort of the same thing, that his game against State wasn't the best game, 
but I saw him play, and then I saw what he did after that. So, yeah, he's on my list. I actually have Cam Newton on my list as well. I saw him play three times that year uh, when he was at Auburn. I saw him play against Mississippi State in Starkville, saw the game against Ole Miss in Oxford, and then saw him in the SEC championship game against South Carolina. Men among boys. Um, Hey, Dad, you're right. I I remember that was a relatively low-scoring game between Auburn and Mississippi State. I think it was a Thursday night game, wasn't it? It was, yes. The thing that that we've been robbed of with Newton because he's been so unhealthy the last couple years is the whole automatic third, fourth, between you know six inches and two yards to where it's just automatic. Do you remember how automatic that was in college? Even more so than Tebow. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a good point. Borky, give me one of yours in person. Uh, my list of who I've seen in person uh, is far superior than what I've seen, if that makes sense. Uh, so a lot of great players, just not great performances. I'll start with Tiger Woods. Uh, spent some time following him uh, at the Masters in 2007 and he is the most dominant golfer in the history of the sport. So that's where I would start. Uh, he, he wasn't great that weekend. I mean, like, I've been to the Masters, and that's really cool, but they're not exactly memorable because it was Trevor Immelman one year and Zach Johnson the next. Like, the two least memorable major champions of all time were the ones that I got to see. However, following the most dominant golfer in the sport for a period of time was special. I've got Tiger on my list. Uh, Augusta is where I have seen him. I remember Jane and I were standing uh, alongside number one tee box, not on the front row, you know, a couple of rows back, and Tiger hit it. You know, we had we had seen a couple of groups go through, and when he hit the golf ball, I looked at Jane. I said, "Did you hear that?" And she said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "It sounded different." It so so this would have been two thousand seven. The golf ball sounded different when Tiger hit it than when everybody else hit it. Am I crazy for saying that, Borky, or did you have that same thought? Uh, No, I did. And and it's changed now a little bit because you have guys that hit the ball now uh, like he did back then, a lot of them. But at the time, he he was the guy. I mean, you waited for hours to see him hit one tee shot because just the noise was different. Uh, J.B. Holmes at that time was also one of those guys. Uh, But, yeah, it was different coming off of his club. His swing was just so violent that it created this this torque that you didn't see on the course. What's crazy, if you want to rewind farther with Tiger, if you want to go back to 1997 when he just absolutely lapped the field in the Masters, you know what kind of driver he was hitting? He was hitting... A metal head King Cobra driver with a steel shaft in it. And if you put it next to a driver today, it looks like a three wood or a five wood. And think about how far he was hitting the golf ball then. Think about the the changes that have come in equipment since that time. Um I'll give you the first athlete that I've got on my list when we uh, when we come back. We got more of this and we'll take your submissions as well on the Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. Back with you Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Friday afternoon. So the uh, the question on the table, we'll get to your text in just a second. Greatest athletes you've seen in person. 
and we may have to even carry the greatest athletic performances you've seen in person over to uh, to Monday. So number one on my list is Bo Jackson. Not Bo Jackson, the football player. I would have loved to have seen him play football, but I saw him as a baseball player in Kansas City in 1987, and he was playing in left field. And an RBI double in the bottom of the ninth inning for a walk-off win for the Kansas City Royals. There are not many guys that can wear, you know, forgive me for how this sounds, not many guys that wear or fill out a baseball uniform the way Bo Jackson did. <laughs> and there were no, you know, baggy pants kind of draped over the, you know, ankles of your shoes. I mean, it was that was like the era of everybody wears a tight baseball uniform. Just a physical specimen and the way he could run the the catches that he made in the outfield and he was just kind of rounding into his form as a baseball player at uh, at that point that was really early in his career uh, i guess just uh, a year or so after he was drafted um but bo jackson greatest athlete i've ever seen in person it's a really uh, let's good do one, one let's do one you said you've got a good one no i said that's a really good one i'm jealous of that Let's do another round, and then we'll go to uh, to some of yours. Rippy, give me another one. John Wall. That's okay. a good one. I I went to the SEC tournament. My parents took me as like our spring break trip for I don't know five years, something like that. Maybe I made that up, but a number of years, and that was like really the first SEC guard where I was like, "Holy cow, this guy is quick!" At like age twelve, thirteen. So I am going to add him into my list. I like that. Uh, hey, Dad. Reggie Bush. In person? Saw, yeah, I saw a couple of Saints games. Oh, okay. I, I'll, I'm sorry. I just immediately went to Southern Cal. I was like, you saw him play nah, Southern did, Cal? That's awesome. Nah, nah, didn't, didn't get out to the Coliseum, but saw him play a few times. And one of his games made my top five athletic performances uh, list. But that was a guy that every time he touched the ball, I was convinced he was going to score. Do you remember the game that he played against Fresno State when he was at uh Southern Incredible. Cal? Yeah. How can you forget that? I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico <laughs> when that happened. I yeah, you know, it was a basketball tournament I was filling in for uh, David Kellum at the time and uh, and went with a buddy and we found a sports bar in Albuquerque and uh, watched that game. It was like, Are you believing this? He just keeps yeah. going and going and going. Have you ever uh, Borky, seen his, give me uh, another one. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, have you ever seen his high school highlight tape? It's on YouTube. Mm, I don't know if I have or not. Sounds like I should watch it, it. It is one of the funniest things you will ever watch if you watch it. Borky, give me another one. I did get to see Jordan. Uh, and oh. it, like, like I said before, uh, my, my Tiger one is uh, the athletes are better than the circumstances. I got to see Jordan when he was a wizard. But I still got to see Michael Jordan. We actually, uh, we even sat courtside. It was when they did the traveling, and see, it's so bad. When they did the traveling preseason games, and they still do it in some capacity. So it was a preseason game that they played in Greenville, South Carolina for some reason. And and we had courtside seats through my dad's company. And I got to hand Michael Jordan a ball that went out of bounds. And I hardly remember it, but I know I got to do it. So yeah, Jordan's my number two. Did he score on the next play? Because that's an assist. You get an assist. <laughs> nice. I, I, I truthfully don't remember many details other than I know it was Michael Jordan. And, like, 
the arena could not have cared less about anybody else. When he touched the ball, it was like everybody stood up and it was the coolest thing. And when any other player was doing anything, you could hear a pin drop. Nobody cared. So I had Bo Jackson, number one on my list, number two, and I've seen him twice in person. Once in Memphis at FedEx Forum and once at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Both times when he was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James. I was watching um, Faraday, the the show on the Golf Channel where David Faraday interviews different people. He had Doc Rivers on, and I don't know if that was a rerun or if it was a first airing earlier this week or, or not. But he was asking Doc Rivers, he said, Magic or Michael? And Doc was like, come on, man. Like, just refused to answer it. He said, all right, Michael or LeBron? And he, he goes, ah, well, I'll say this about LeBron. He's the greatest athlete on the planet today. Now, you can agree with that or disagree with that. You, you don't have to. I mean, you may think that there's a, a track and you, you may think that Usain Bolt is the greatest athlete on the planet. You may think it's Simone Biles or that it's uh, Serena Williamson or it's somebody else. And that's fine. But he's certainly in the conversation. What he is and what he does physically is not supposed to be humanly possible. And he's going on two decades of doing it. There's a lot of miles on those tires, and LeBron's still playing at a really, really high level. Uh, let's see here. Let's get to some of these on the C Spire text line. Um, Mark gives us greatest performances, so we will come back to those. Mike in Oxford. Oh, I like this one. He's given us two. He said he saw Archie at Legion Field. Mike, was that in the Archie Manning-Scott Hunter game? Because that would be really cool. And then he says he saw Pistol Pete at the Superdome when he played with the Jazz. I'm assuming that would be the New Orleans Jazz at the time and not the Utah Jazz. That'd be right, Borky. They were the New Orleans Jazz, and then they, they moved. And when New Orleans got a team back, you would think that they would have petitioned to get the name back because Utah nah. Jazz doesn't make any sense, but oh well. Yeah. So Mike was at the Archie Manning-Scott Hunter game. That's, uh, that's really cool. Uh, Doug and Laurel. That pretty good list here. Hank Aaron, Will Clark, Rafael Palmero, John Stroud, and Dikembe Mutombo. On the surface, on the surface, one of those names not like the other. Hank Aaron, you make an argument, greatest home run hitter of all time. Will Clark, incredible MLB career. Same thing for Palmero. Kimbe Matumbo, one of the greatest shot blockers in the history of the NBA. And you go, well, how does John Stroud fit in it? Unbelievable score. Second all-time, or maybe he's the number one scorer all-time at Ole Miss. Either first or second all-time as a, uh, a scorer. And what an incredible guy. Uh, Averaged 58 and 56% shooting his junior and senior years in college. That'll play. That's... That's not bad, is it? That dog Michael Jordan? Hunt. Yes. Saw Michael Jordan play with the Birmingham Barons. Okay. A lot of people saw Michael Jordan play baseball that didn't see him play basketball. That counts. Ricky Williams in the Cotton Bowl. That's from Greg and Jackson. 
There are a lot of Bulldog fans that would just prefer to forget that day. That was a tough day. John McEnroe at Wimbledon. Oh, wow. That's a really good one. Well done. My husband was stationed at the Naval Academy the year that Roger Staubach was a senior. I got to see him take Navy to the Cotton Bowl in 1964. Wow. Really cool there, yeah. How about Roger Staubach, named as one of the greatest of all time in college football history? They did that honor at the um, the national championship game this year, halftime of the national championship game. Two for one. Bird versus Magic, L.A. Forum, 1986. Man. Love it. Do you – now looking back, like the person that sent that in, I wonder if – people know at the time how great that was or like how many years does it take you to realize that man i just saw those two guys go at it i just saw roger Staubach. obviously you don't know as much at the time but how long does it take for you to realize how cool of a game that was and unique of an experience that was they were such a big deal at the time that i would think you would know but to be able to think back on it 30 years later? Like when you were, when you saw Tiger 13 years ago, did you think at the time, I am watching the greatest to ever live right now? 13 years ago, you would have had to. But yeah. were you thinking it when you were watching it? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And, and I think that's the reaction. That, you know, it's part of the reaction that's seared in my mind. That you know, When I said to Jane, it sounds different. Like I, I think there were there were like little tells, like this is different than everybody else. And then the tiger roar, when that guy makes a birdie at Augusta, oh my gosh! And that was just on a Thursday. That wasn't Sunday afternoon with him in the hunt. That's a different deal. How would you have liked to have been there last year? I mean, I know most people go, ah, you know what? I'd rather watch it on television on Sunday, and I get that, but last year would be the exception. My friend Glenn sends me a text. His list of five greatest athletes that he's seen in person is pretty strong. Herschel Walker, Archie Manning, Mike Bossy, the Canadian hockey player that played with the Islanders in the 80s. Bo Jackson saw him in both college football and college baseball, and uh, Alexander Ovechkin. Strong. A couple of hockey guys there. What were you saying, hey, Dad? Strong. Yeah, that's a pretty seen good Ovechkin. list. Did you see him the other night in Dallas? No, uh, just as a kid in Nashville. Hmm. Let's see here. I'm just kind of cycling through these. Uh, when I was at Jim Hill, Eddie Payton was one of our coaches. His brother Walter would come visit from Jackson State. He looked like he was carved out of marble. That's from Pop Pop. All right. I got no problem believing that. No, not at all. The, the preachy text message I can do without, okay? This is my list. You get to have your list. Hey, Dad gets to have his list. We don't have to put any caveats on this. There are no rules here. Just the five greatest athletes you've ever seen. 
Don't tell me I'm not picking mine right because you say, y'all are listing people who excelled at one sport. A true athlete is good at – stop it. Just tell me Bo that Jackson. Wesley Walls is on your list. Nerd. You pick I have Bo Jackson. zero argument. I'm sorry, what? You picked Bo Jackson. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Widely considered the greatest – Overall athlete of all time. You pick LeBron James, who pound for pound is probably the greatest athlete to ever live when you consider size and speed and jumping ability and every skill, all of that. I mean, what else does this guy want? And Tiger Woods trained with the Navy SEALs. Yeah, and Cam Newton. I mean, we haven't seen an athlete like Cam Newton play college quarterback before. You were picking real, true, pure athletes. I don't get this guy. I can't find this text, but just to make that guy my, mad, my next pick is Secretariat. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Now just tell uh. me it's Wesley Walls and say, look, in addition to what we saw on the football field, a guy who was on the defensive side of the ball and then made the transition to the offensive side of the ball and became an unbelievable NBA player for a decade and a half. And, oh, by the way, you should have seen him on the baseball field and the basketball court when he was in high school. I'm not arguing with you. But don't tell me I'm not doing it right. Come on, man. Uh, Rudy says, watching Tim Tebow when he played at Mississippi State. Nothing in particular stands out. But just his athleticism on the field was memorable. Glad I was at field level to watch him. His presence was very memorable in that game. He didn't play great. Threw two pick sixes in that game. But you just I just remember him you just knew they were going to win because he was better than everybody on the field. Shaq. He was so dominant. You. Didn't get to see him. Meadowlark Lemon. Was that English? I mean Yeah, he played for the Globetrotters. No, it's the greatest globetrotter of all time, Borky. Oh, it's, I have no idea. I mean, it's a little off the wall, but if you if you look at the skill level and the athleticism for those guys, it's really, really good. Like, for example, at one point the globetrotters had a guy that played for them named Michael Wilson. He played at the University of Memphis. And then he made the Globetrotters. Borky, he had a 55-inch vertical. It doesn't sound real. It's he crazy. could jump and touch. He could touch the top of the backboard. Top of the backboard. Rusty and Baldwin. Boy, this is one that a lot of people either claim to have seen or really wish they could have seen. Marcus Dupree in high school. Grant in Senatobia, Ja Morant. I got no problem with that at all. He's spectacular. Jeremy and Jackson, I like this one. Steve McNair at Alcorn State. Hall of Famer. I don't know if we talked about that with everything else that's been going on. Oh, that's right. Just just elected to the College Football Hall of Fame and well-deserved. Anthony Davis is on mine. I would feel dumb not including him. Who'd you say? Anthony Davis. That's a good one. Saw him. 
Yeah, I got to see him drop a, a triple-double, and one of the three were blocks. Uh, I mean, he is so fluid at that size. That's People don't give the NBA enough credit for how long everybody is and how fluid they are. I mean, he's almost seven feet tall, and he moves so smooth and so fluid. He's such a great athlete. I saw Carl uh, Anthony Towns at, uh, at State and just – he could do anything he wanted. It was it was really crazy to watch yeah. a guy that big that could just move the way he did. I'm surprised that Leo and Meridian is the first one because of where he played professionally, baseball and football. Leo and Meridian says Deion Sanders. Never saw him in lot. Never saw him in person though. No, no, I'm not talking about necessarily out of our group. But I'm just talking about of all the people that text in, Leo's the first person that has mentioned seeing Deion Sanders in person. And, you know, from a pure athletic ability, for his ability to go back and forth between basketball and baseball. Whoo. Hey, I'm going to read you this text message that I got. This just came to uh, a buddy of mine. He said, call part of your last segment. These are just a few of the things that I've been blessed to see in person. Bob Gibson set the strikeout record in the World Series when he pinched against 30-game winner Denny McClain. Getting Pete Maravich's autograph after his second game as a freshman. Seeing Tiger Woods win in his first Masters and Ben Crenshaw win in his last one. That's a good one. This guy's a big old Miss fan. He says, I went to Wimbledon and saw Maheshbio Potty who's maybe the greatest tennis player that's ever come through Ole Miss, and Leander Paces win the doubles title while wearing his Ole Miss gear. And then he says he played golf with Meadowlark Lemon. That's a pretty strong list for my friend William. That's a pretty good list. Wouldn't you love to have seen Bob Gibson pitch? You just missed it by just a couple of years, I guess. Let me ask you this. This is a twist on it. I, I really think at this point, let's save the greatest performances that we've ever seen in person for, for Monday or Tuesday sometime next week. Because it's just there's so many. But let me put a twist on it. If there's one athlete that you could go back and see in person that you didn't get to see, who would it be? I would like Who's to have the been one Pete Maravich? that you would have liked to have seen? Pete? Yeah. Okay. Pete Maravich. Are we talking about like like to have seen live or like to have just that I never saw because I'm No, no, no. That, no, that you would have liked to have been at a game to watch them pitch. Or to, I would to like play. to have I would like to have been ringside for a Mike Tyson fight. Ooh. In his prime. <laughs> I mean knowing knowing any, what I know any, now any that per- I'm only gonna get, you know, a minute and a half of enjoyment there, but I want to see him come out there and just destroy somebody. How about Alan Starkville? He says Jesse Owens at the 1936 Olympics. Oh. Yeah. Somebody suggests seeing Tough Hedeman. Eight seconds, baby. Eight seconds. What a great movie. Who was the best high school athlete? Athlete you played against, Richard? Just, I mean, you talk about you saw him live. Who was the best yeah. that you ever saw across the field? Um, Jeremy Lasour. Oh, cornerback. 
at Holly Springs. <laughs> that's the name and, out of that's a blast from the past. And he went on to play at Michigan. Yeah. Went right over the top on him too. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, sir. Nice. Yes, sir. Very nice. It, it, it was one of the it was one of those where you let it fly and you threw your arms up for a touchdown while the ball was in the air. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I played uh you remember Tobias Singleton that played at Ole Miss for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. I played against his uncle when back when East Flora was still a high school. His nickname was Turbo. And buddy, that was a very well deserved nickname. Uh, if he got the ball in the open field, he was gone. There was there was no catching him. I, him and uh, Achilles King from St. Andrews, who went on to play at uh, at West Point, uh, was probably probably my top two. Calhoun City had a linebacker. This would have been the fall of 1998, and I cannot remember his name. Oh, he went to Alabama, didn't he? I think so. Th- things. Did not go so well for him in the years following high school and college. Cornelius Wortham? No. No. Bernard Sykes. Bernard Sykes, that's right. He went to Ole Miss, didn't he? No. Okay. Did not. Probably the most gifted athlete that I've ever played against. And I got drilled by him. <laughs> We'll wrap it up. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.